Another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. I am so excited to be joined by Doug Evans today because I have stalked this man far and wide and deep for years. I think two or three years, in fact. And Doug kept telling me, just get back to me in six months. One more year. I'll talk to you in a year, Steph. And finally, he replied and said, let's do it. And that's today. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making the time, Doug. I really, really appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, Steph. And I love the persistence. It's right after my own heart. <laughs> well, I will admit that I fell in love with you the day that I walked into your office and I saw you walking on a treadmill. And I thought this man walks more during his workday than I can run in a day. I want to know what literally, what are you eating? And from that, I mean, it's been nearly six years. Lots has happened in both of our lives. And now if we were to find you on the internet, we would know you as an author and a highly obsessed Sprout consumer. So maybe we start there. What is your relationship with what you're writing and consuming right now? So about three years ago, I moved to the desert. I moved to the Mojave Desert. And the wake up call was not only was I in the desert, I was in a food desert. And it takes weeks or months or years to grow your own food except sprouts mm. and something that had been a friend of mine for years, for over 25 years, I had been sprouting, but it was always an additive superfood or garnish. I never thought of sprouts as a mainstay or a staple of a diet, except when I was hungry and I didn't want to be in the car for three hours a day. So I started to grow sprouts. And within 30 days, 50% of my calories were coming from six mason jars that I was growing in one cubic foot. So it was the most eye-opening revelation for me. And so now my relationship with sprouts are that I eat a lot of sprouts, still about 50% of my diet is sprouts, but I see sprouts in three primary groups. Number one, I see sprouts as food, right? Sprouts are vegetables, vegetables are food, vegetables are good for you, sprouts are great for you. So I, I see sprouts as food. The second is I see sprouts as vitamins and minerals. So basically one of the big questions vegans always get is where do you get your protein from? And my answer is sprouts because sprouts contain amino acids and micronutrients and phytonutrients and polyphenols and bioflavonoids and prebiotics and probiotics and antioxidants. And sprouts are vitamins to me. And I believe most medical professionals, doctors, dietitians, nutritionists will say that you should get your nutrition from food. Well, turns out sprouts are powerhouse, mighty little packets in these living organisms of sprouts. So sprouts is vitamins. And then the thing that I know least about, but there's probably the most research about is sprouts as medicine. Mm -hmm. That sprouts are a means and mechanism of treating both acute and chronic illnesses. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that sprouts contain 
these compounds that are anti-cancer compounds that exist in all cruciferous vegetables and in particular broccoli. And the research actually says broccoli sprouts have 50 to 100 times these compounds of mature broccoli. And that as the vegetable gets bigger, from the seed to the sprout, to the microgreen, to the mature sprout, you're actually diluting some of these compounds, which is why sprouts are this concentrated healing properties. And other research I was recently reading from the National Institute of Health in the US talked about how sprouts were the one of the most effective treatments, not cures, but treatments for autism. Mm-hmm. And you know, in general, whole food plant-based diet is very good for regulating insulin levels for type two diabetics because they contain fiber. And so from weight loss to diabetes, to cancer, to autism, sprouts, sprouts. So it's very interesting. So those are the groups that I look at. Yeah. I mean, I love it. And I've never met a crazy vegan I ha- I didn't love because you care so deeply about what's going in your body and what is there to fuel and nourish your body. This might be off course and you let me know. Did you hit a rock bottom with any diagnoses that caused you to look to this? Or is it more that you acknowledge that sprouts or the plant way of life was the right way of life for you and your body? I mean... For me personally, I was a little overweight. I was a little sluggish. I ate the worst food on the planet, fast food, processed food, street food. So I ate real junk. But then, you know, in the late nineties, my aunt got diabetes and they chopped off her feet below her ankles. And then my uncle got heart disease. Then my mother got stomach cancer. My father got heart disease. My other uncle died of heart disease and my brother, ended up in my life, he's still alive. My older brother has had three strokes and a heart attack. So, you know, the insight, like how I look at food is that food is either nourishment, medicine, right? Or poison, Mm. right? It's really poison. Mm. And so my standards, and this is what I attempt to do in almost every aspect of my life is to raise my standard. So eating sprouts to me are the highest standard of nutrition one could eat, not just plant-based or animal-based, like just sprouts. And I look at everything that I put in my mouth as a life or death decision. So I landed on sprouts and then I see everything else as like food porn, you know, or seductive, shiny bling objects. But I'm able to see right through that and say, that's not gonna serve me. Like that's not worthy of my consumption. So I have no problem, you know, going to any restaurant anywhere in the world, you know, with anyone and maybe not even drinking water, like just sitting there and being a happy camper. Mm. And what I realized is that unless you tell someone what to eat or not eat, they really don't give a hoot what you eat, right? They'll try to encourage you, hey, try this, taste this, et cetera. And if you're like, oh, no, no, I'm not eating today. I'm perfectly fine. I'm not eating. I already ate or I'm looking forward to eating something later. I'm not eating. I'm cool, right, with where I am right now. I'm just happy to hang out. 
glad to be with your company. Enjoy your food. No problem. If you start to lecture people, it's over. It's over. So that's not the forum that I choose to disseminate my information, yeah. right? I'm choosing to share the information and the insight I have with people who raise their hand, they follow me, they engage with me, they buy my book, they listen to a podcast, they ask questions. And so now I'm not preaching to the choir, I'm preaching to people who are open-minded, who feel a certain level of resonance with the information that I'm sharing. Mm -hmm. I think it's not about preaching to the choir, it's preaching to the curious. Mm. And I think it's such a beautiful distinction. I, everything I put in my mouth is life or death. Every decision we make, if we could see it only through that lens, how beautiful it would be. It really is life or death. We're trading a minute of our life here for whatever that decision is. It's why I cherish these minutes with you because it took me years to get here. And raising standards is exactly how I see you, how I experience everything about you online. And we'll make sure that all of these things are in the show notes, your book, how to find you online. And I can't help but ask when your relationship with food shifts and continues to evolve, how does that impact other areas of your life? And I mean, I'm speaking with you in a yurt. How did your relationship with food change your relationship with where you live right now or, or whatever, whatever area you want to dive into? I mean, there's a certain time in my life that was mm. motivated by, you know, insecurities or making money or success. And, you know, as you go through your life and loved ones and icons die, right? And turn to dust, you start to reflect on what's really important. Mm. And believe me, I look at every Tesla and they are, you know, cool as AF, right? They are so beautiful. And I, to me, I don't need that. Like mm. I can observe the beauty. I don't need to possess that. Mm. Like what I need to be happy, mm. right? Is I need quiet, mm. right? I need water. Mm. I need organic fruits and vegetables. Mm. right? And I need to be able to have a certain degree of freedom. Mm. And the commodification and branding mm. that is so prevalent in society mm. is something that I don't have an aversion to. I just don't have a craving to them or a clinging for them. Mm. So hence being in the yurt is a very practical, basic part. My floor here is a recycled LA billboard. And it's the only thing separating me, you know, from the, the ants and bugs and nature. And I step on the ground and I feel, you know, the earth, earth. like I feel the earth mm -hmm. and it's very grounding. And this was a fun little project of taking the yurt and insulating it with recycled denim, you know, in between the, the rafters of, of the yurt and then finding a material to cover them. So I'm not breathing in the microfiber of the recycled denim. 
And it's a very peaceful, serene place. Turns out the acoustics are incredible in here. They are. And the insulation, it's pretty cool in the summer and it's pretty warm in the winter. And I'm also someone, you know, I live in an extreme environment where there could be 40 degree temperature swings on any given day. And so I also realize the world wants you to be, you know, at a perfect 68 degrees Fahrenheit. You can translate that to Celsius for your peeps. But the reality is we thrive on being stressed. And so cold is good, hot is good. And so having to have my body regulate the temperature and me having the, I guess it's mental discipline Mm -hmm. to be comfortable when I would normally be uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. that I could feel myself, oh my God, I'm cold and I'm shivering. Then I can breathe and I go, oh, I'm observing sensations formerly known as cold. It's okay. Let me be present. Let me be okay now. And let me focus on what I'm focusing on. Amazing. I was just listening to a podcast talking about how we speak about overworking and not overliving. And if we could only overlive, we would perhaps calm down enough to breathe and make these sensations, you know, a highlight of the day. And when you speak of stress, that really speaks to me because I, I don't love that we thrive in stress. I think that there is a a resistance that keeps us hustling, keeps us persistent, and yet it also can kill us. So it feels like a fine line. And I want to know how you balance that fine line now to, you know, there can be stress of body regulation. There might be stress of craving. There might be, you know, you launched a book and you have another book. I mean, it's book launches are are inevitably stressful in their own way. How do you ride that line of stress now, Doug? I think, you know, when I came up with the idea to write the book, it was an idea. And I had never written a book. I'd never gone to college. Writing was not my forte, right? I just got through my entire life. You know, I'm 54 now, so called 50 years without being a good writer, without being the discipline to do that. But the desire to get this information out was so strong that I got on a plane, I went to New York, I met with one of the largest publishers in the world, Macmillan, St. Martin's Press, and I brought sprouts to the meeting. I brought recipes made with sprouts and my editor literally was eating the sprouts out of the palm of my hand. And it clicked with her that sprouts could be a thing. Like they really could be a thing. And I'm so grateful for that. And then, I came back and I had to write the book, write 60,000 words, 288 pages, graphs, charts, research, you know, interviews with medical professionals. Writing the book was like running a company. I had to quarterback my lab with my interviews, with my editor, with my own research, with my own studying. It was extremely challenging. And, you know, at one point, like I was saying, why am I doing this? Right. I'm not getting paid any money for the book. Right. Because the 
an unknown author, blah, 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 major publisher, blah. You're, you're not, no one writes the book for the money. Yeah. Right? Spoiler. Authors do not write books to make money. Even if you're published, you're not making money up front to, to write your book. I mean, I, I can share for aspiring authors. My book is in the sixth printing and we have not earned back the advance yet. Right. Super clear. Right. And the advance went to pay photographers that the publisher didn't want to pay for and private editors to raise the quality and the standard of my written communication before I submitted it. And for recipe development, because I wanted to be world-class. So this was something that the message needed to go out. And then I realized that this was just a test. Mm. Like this was really hard and that I needed to just stay present. And then I chunked it up and said, this is what I'm gonna do today. And I wasn't going to, you know, boil the ocean in one day. I, I just needed to accomplish this task today. And then I would tackle something else the next day. And lo and behold, the book is done. Yeah. Can you give us context? How long did it take you to write your first book? The first edition? First edition, first book, actual work on it. Research was years. Actual sitting to write it after the procrastination period set in, probably six months. Got it. Okay, so even disciplined, devoted, highly vibrational humans like you procrastinate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I woke up and like I came up with a great idea. Let me meditate lying down, (laughs) right? So I meditated lying down. I fell asleep. And so then I got up and then I just, you know, meditated. I meditate in the hot springs, which is unbelievable in terms of calmness. And my goal was to run before our podcast. I have not run yet. Right. So, you know, there's no pressure. I will run when we get done today, but yeah, it's just, and, and like, I'm okay with it. I get more upset if I would have been one second late for you Mm. than me being like an hour late for myself. Like, that's okay. Okay. I can handle it. Okay. That's another conversation for another time. Our relationship with other people versus our relationship with ourselves, but you'll still, the book got done. You'll get your run done and everything in between. I do have one more question before our last question. You mentioned hot springs. I know that it sounds like you manifested these hot springs or you found hot springs by most beautiful serendipity. Is that true? I want to know your relationship with water, Doug, because you drink a ton. You've done a 10 day water fast. You meditate in the hot springs. What's with you and water? I think water is like being in the womb, Ah, right? You know, water, fountain of life. Yes. Right. We would not live very long. We could live long without food, right? We can't live long without water. Mm. And what I realized is most water is treated, highly Mm. treated, right? You know, in some municipalities, you know, you're drinking toilet water, Mm. right? They're adding all sorts of chemicals, which may have antibiotic qualities to them, which might affect the microbiome. So I decided I want to be able to be in an environment where I'm 
showering, bathing in mineral water mm. that is untreated. Okay. So, you know, and what I set the intention for, I then found. And look, all across the world, people are living off of wells, mm. you know, versus reservoirs and systems. So it's not that foreign. Yeah. What was interesting for me was finding water that had minerals that also had geothermal activity so mm. that it could be hot mm. because a, a normal hot water heater is like 40 gallons. A big tub is three or 400 gallons. Mm. So the only practical method is to use geothermal activity. Right. So I made a quest to find where I could have mineral water and geothermal water crossing. Yeah. And I ended up on a hot spring. It's magic. Ah, oh, Doug, we could go on. I'm so mindful of time. If this podcast is between you and your run, I want you to put your running shoes on. And the last question we wrap every podcast with is what is currently making your heart beat faster? It's a great question. I think my next business endeavor that I'm contemplating and working on is so daunting, oh. right? So thinking about that and thinking like how to execute that. Mm. So I think about that. Mm. And then the short term is every time I do a live or I do a podcast or I do an interview, mm. it's almost like stage fright. My heart starts to race. I feel butterflies in the stomach. I don't want to do it. I mean, that just makes my heart race. Wow. I mean, coming from someone who has been on the mic, who's been on the screen hundreds of times and people are spending years, I'm part of them, seeking you for your thoughts to know that it's received with butterflies is, is wild. And I love your, your authenticity and your candor around that. That's amazing. Well, aren't butterflies beautiful? Yes, they're exactly. gorgeous. Exactly. Mature butterflies, I say. I never want them to become caterpillars. Just give me butterflies. Yeah, I love the caterpillars too. I love metamorphosis. And I look at the transformation from a seed to a sprout, like from a caterpillar in the cocoon to a butterfly. Sure, yeah. I can't leave yet though. You've just said something that's the most perfect jump off line here because in the same way that you are creating butterflies for us and for you in speaking to know that with everything that you have done, that's brought you to this moment, you still have a business idea that is daunting is equally astounding to me. I just look at you, Doug, and think, do you even have a relationship with fear anymore? Because what could you possibly think of or dream of that you can't see a way forward to create? And there you are, you're right on the precipice of it's still daunting because you dream that big. And I don't want to know about what you're going to create. I know that we'll find out soon enough and it will be phenomenal. But I want to know how you dance with daunting right now, because that I think is a secret that every human can relate to. There is something in our lives that is daunting and you're dancing with daunting right now before you launch. I think that I ask myself who would be the best person in the world to assist with this little task, this little part of it. 
right? Because those people are out there. Mm. And then I have to ask, well, how do I get to them, mm. right? How do I enroll them, mm. right? And mm. bring them to a common alignment to mm. wanting to help. Vision. So a lot of it is breaking things up in chunks and making it more familiar. Like last night, I did a project for someone a couple of years ago and we're going on and we're digressing. And in the course of this project, I brought in to help this person, my best people that I knew in different aspects, whether it was engineering or food science or design or branding. I brought in all these great people. And at the end of the day, this person didn't have the tenacity of conviction to want to pursue that project, mm. right? He was half-baked, thought it was a good idea, put some money up, and then ended up pulling the plug on it. Mm -hmm. So I was complete. It wasn't my project. I was assisting someone the best way I could. Mm -hmm. But I felt that every one of the people that I brought in from my network in some way, shape, or form were bullied mm. by this person and slighted financially mm. by this person. And that he had no awareness mm. in his mind. So I said, you know what? I like him. He's a nice guy. Mm. I'm going to share with him. Mm. So I'm, on, I'm in California at six o'clock. He's on the East Coast. I won't say what state or city. He takes the call at nine o'clock. We catch up a little bit. I said, you know, something came to me in my meditation. I really want to share it. Mm. Do you want to hear it? Mm. Right. And because I won't give you unsolicited feedback like that. Mm. And he's like, oh, sure. So as I start to tell him, mm. immediately he interrupts me mm. and justifies how this person was a lunatic or that person was there or this. And, and I realized like, whoa. Like, what am I doing? And I managed to proceed to get through th those parts. And then I got an email, a text this morning, describing how rude, callous, and ungrateful it was and how I profited from him and he had a total loss. Mm. And I'm glad I had that conversation, mm. right? I'm really glad. And it's on the top of my message. I wrote... My intentions were pure and loving. The pattern observed was real. The facts were mostly correct. Neither me or any of the people were working for just the money, nor did I ask you to make good on the money. I felt that they were slighted on. I brought up time wasted and intentions, two things that I value more than money. I thought you would benefit from the insight. And it's up to you to pick apart and find fault with me or to look inside and ask yourself, is there any truth to this? I am complete and glad that I shared what I shared. Have the best day ever. Love, Doug. Right. And this is my response to something that says, Doug, in reflecting on your comments last night and the text above, I think it's incredibly callous to malign my character when the facts show that I lost X, blah, 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 blah. Mm. And for him, it was just about the money and his ego being hurt. So it's so interesting. Mm. So things like that, like I'm asking myself, why did I bother? 
And I said, I've had 360 degree reviews Mm. and they were really beneficial. Mm. I didn't like them. I didn't like them, but they were really beneficial. Yeah. So that was like just a little gift I was giving out and doing it, but I felt uncomfortable and now I feel complete, even though I must, you know, send someone into a a tailspin, Mm. but that's what can keep you going. Like why bother with doing that? How do you make sense, Mm. you know, of the world, right? And what you realize is there is no place that's safe, right? Mm. You just can't go and find a bunker and bury yourself and get arms and get survival food and just pray that you're not going to be bombarded or the government is going to have imminent domain and confiscate your land, you know, or someone's just going to come and rob you. Like you have to live. Mm. And so the, the questions that I'm asking myself are what's going to give me the charge, mm. right? What's going to be aligned? What's mm. going to make me feel alive right and how do i find purpose you know in this physical form mm-hmm. well i need to reply to this because as much as i would love to say let's wrap this in a bow i think what needs to be said is i asked you about your relationship with dancing with daunting and what you offered were a scenario in real life of bringing people in what you offered was the reality that you're not here to do life alone. You said immediately you bring in the best people that you know, that you've had decades of opportunity to work with. And you said that you would tell the truth because you're here to offer more than your life in a bunker. And if you do want to live in a bunker and live underground, that is a beautiful way of life. And I'm sure there are people that would like to do that. But the Doug Evans way is of here to be of greatest contribution of highest vibration. You want the curious to know about sprouts and about so much more. And therefore you're not able to live in a bunker. And so if the calling is I'm here to preach to the curious, then you do it with humans and how beautiful that humans have such ego. I knew it as soon as you said your 360 reviews, because I love the people that have had the chance to work with you. And I know for a fact, people will have given you critical feedback that you may or may not have loved. And that's the point. And it's your email. I love that you wrote it. Have the best day ever. Love Doug. I just, I will carbon copy this. Have the best day ever. I just gave you the gift of the truth. And if you want to throw that back on me, I hope you'll go and look in the mirror and say, where is this true? And unfortunately, he wasn't ready for that today. And the gift has been given and it will show it will come up for him when the time is right. And that's why we love you, Doug. That's why we love you. Your relationship with dancing with daunting and human ego and saying the things we don't want to hear, but we need to hear them and knowing we're not in it alone and you can still recover And it's not about the money. Hear this. Like none of this, as you said, I think three times over, it's not about the money in this case. It's don't be a jerk. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in a way we all have our unique gifts, right? And it takes everybody. Like some people, myself included, could even have judgment of certain people doing certain tasks at certain jobs at certain point in their lives. And then- if you look at the macro level, Mm. we should be so grateful that someone is willing to check us into that hotel. 
Yeah. Right. Yes. Like what if everyone's ego is like, oh, I don't want to work at the front desk of a hotel. Mm. Well, how would you get your room? Yeah. Right. I don't want to drive that bus. I don't want to, you know, pick up that trash. Right. I don't want to farm those organic vegetables. Right. Mm. It takes a complete system of people around the world working in harmony with fair exchange and respect in order to make things work. And that's, I don't know, politically where you live and stand, but I, I realize that it, every single person doing every role has mm. some contribution to make. Mm. And if anyone's listening, my contribution to you is that in addition to doing the things that you need to do in order to pay your rent and pay your bills is to find something that lights you up, something that will inspire you to create. And, you know, I haven't had a TV in over 20 years. Mm. And that silence, not having, being glued to that drug has helped me be able to create and to, to think clearly. Yes. Oh, Doug, we could go on. I so appreciate your time. I appreciate that we can declare there's no financial exchange between this friendship. And it has been years that I have followed you. And I appreciate the energetic exchange more than you will ever, ever know. And I appreciate every syllable you put in the world. I appreciate the time that you put to make your message known in a world that's really, really curious. And I'd like you to know that. So thank you. Thank you. And before we go, Right. Because so on the sprouts. Right. Yes. So here here's the final recap of sprouts. Give it to me. Sprouts were the beginning of all plant life on the planet. Mm. There would be no vegetables and fruits without sprouts first. Mm. And sprouts, you can grow in days, not weeks, months or years. You can grow them with any sort of vessel and water that these mm. seeds want to germinate they want to grow mm. and you can buy them for pennies a serving, right? Mm. You can buy the seeds. They're really low cost. Mm. So every excuse that someone would have about not being able to eat organic or not be vegan or not have more vegetables is totally obliterated with sprouts. Mm. So sprouts are incredible life source. They're the economic equalizer. leveler, yeah. right? Equalizer yes. leveler. Yeah. And I did a podcast and I'm sure you know her work when Marianne Williamson pulled out of the 2020 election, Yeah, right? The first podcast she did was with me on food equality and sprouting, right? So getting this message through that my prior message in the younger version of Doug was eat raw, organic, vegan plants. And now my message is eat whatever you want and consider adding sprouts to every meal and before every meal and snacks, because if you're eating the sprouts, you're gonna just be better overall and they're accessible and cheap and fun. And I'm seeing thousands of pictures of families sprouting and people sprouting all over the world. Your friend, Ed and Natasha, you know, in Whistler are selling the sprout book and sprouting and sourdoughing. I mean, it's just incredible. 
So that's what I'm really passionate about. And I think 2021 is the year of sprouting. I see it trending. So I just want to throw in the sprouts. We're saying, Doug, you have this platform with Steph. You better mention us. Well, I mean, sprouting and sourdough, this is it. And my favorite of all is anything in a mason jar. So sprouts in a mason jar, my starter lives in a mason jar. I think they can go together very well. And I'm so glad that it's the beginning of a new year because I'm on board for 2021, the year of sprouts with Doug Evans. Terrific, Steph. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.